Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. You know, while preparing my podcasts, I've had the occasion to speak on a more intimate level with a great number of artists. My research has taken me all over the United States. It's taken me to Europe, to Asia, and even to some of those sketchy places in the Middle East. I've talked to scores of artists. And the funny thing is that no matter how different their work is, how different the cultures are from which they come, no matter their age, no matter their gender, all these artists seem to have two things in common. All the artists I spoke with were both tragically insecure and bitterly jealous. Now, some are better than others at hiding their petulance, but once you get the hang of decoding their confusing language, you discover the cruelty and the self-doubt that certainly haunts their dreams and surely pollutes their character. Ah, oh, artists, they're so devious, so, so brutal. Now, when they need something from you, like uh, being featured on my broadcast, they'll probably polish your apples and offer to paint your house, but when they think you're disposable, your former friends will think nothing of noshing on your liver. Now, I don't recall ever hearing a bad word coming out of the mouth of the Los Angeles artist, David Schaffman. He's always so magnanimous, almost fawning at times. He's a cheerleader, a supporter, a, 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 a booster, building up his colleagues, and if he's belittling anyone, it would surely be himself. He's generous to a fault. He's kind and so upbeat, and as a result, nobody trusts him. I remember hearing him deliver a talk at Gersten Hall in downtown Seattle, I think it was in 2007 or 8. He was summarizing the state of figurative painting in North America. <laughs> to hear him that night, you'd have thought that we're living within the Serenissima of Renaissance Venice. The lecture was, well, artistic science fiction. And it spoke more of Schaffman's California dreaming than it did about the individual artists he chose to highlight. But things can backfire, can't they? <laughs> now, I know I don't have to remind you that we live in a time of increasing transparency. Privacy and discretion are as quaint as a needle-pointed seat cushion. The gentle surveillance of our laptops and phones eliminates the option for secrecy and only deception earns a momentary reprieve from the omniscience of technology. The private journals of David Schaffman were undoubtedly meant to be just that, private. Yet, predictably, somehow, someone 
hacked and hijacked this very revealing and compromising document right under David's nose. Diaries, wrote the Slavic poet Rada Mladen, are the last refuge of the ignored. But I'm afraid David now has to forfeit the stillness of his asylum. <laughs> ah, but to ensure that no one else would profit from this monotonous 756-page document of self-absorption, Schaffman chose to have it published and he's marketing it, get this, as the critical insights, do you see the air quotes? The critical insights of a conscientious cultural observer. It's called Behind the Gray Tale, and its prose is flat and tedious. And the book presents a near insurmountable obstacle, even to the most assiduous reader. Now, as far as the myth of magnanimity, this tome will finally put that one to rest. What we see here is a portrait of a man whose emotional maturity has been stunted by envy. The good news is that the stark evidence of Schaffman's fatal insecurities may finally restore his faded credibility. Yes, he's one of us. Yes, he's petty, he's, he's craven, he's envious. So what follows here are a few choice excerpts. These excerpts specifically capture the nature of Schaffman's fabled relationship with the French master, Currado Malaspina. <clears throat> November 11th, 1986, Paris. A low wind whispers near the Seine. Currado and I have just returned from a short trip to Istanbul. I crumble under his shadow the littered leaves of autumn turn the sounds of Paris into a fanfare of snare and cymbal. Currado speaks eloquently of Gide. I scarcely understand. March 21st, 1990, New York. Malaspina's triumph is my collapse. I am annihilated, ruined, silenced by his swaggering domination of the New York art world. Danto, Smith, Kimmelman, Pearl, Kramer, Hickey, they're all falling over themselves, singing panegyric homilies, tossing perfume bouquets at an already bumptious braggart. I can't stand it. June 1st, 1992. Rome. It seems that the Malaspina name still has great currency here. It got us a terrific table at La Pergola, where the seared tuna with frigitelli is absolutely to die for. Whoa. Look, if you have the patience, this book 
is well worth getting. But if you don't, you can always wait for the movie. No, I'm not kidding. The rights were just sold to Crepuscular Pictures for, get this, a whopping six figures. And I heard from two different sources that D. Martinelli is considering playing the lead. Well, that's it for this week. Please join us again as we explore the decrepit nature of the lives of contemporary artists.